slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Price. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, the weekend edition Tough loss for the Islanders in Game 3 at the Nassau Coliseum. They fall to the Boston Bruins 2-1 to in overtime. We will break it all down for you. We'll tell you what happened, why the Islanders fell short in this game, and what they have to do in Game 4 to even up the series. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. to get in on the action. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. So, the Islanders uh, fall short, and we're going to explain a lot of things in this game. Uh, There were some good signs coming out of this one, but there are still a lot of issues that need to be worked out, and when you examine the box score a little bit more closely, I think you'll, uh, you'll see what what I'm talking about, and we'll go over all of that, Uh, but clearly for most of this game, the New York Islanders were outplayed, and uh, you know, you can sit there all you want and try to blame Simeon Varlamov for the loss, but uh, no, I'm not going to buy that, and we'll also discuss that later on in the show. If there's something Islanders related on your mind, you have a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to talk about, Feel free to send us an email. The email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the show when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings. And I am also live tweeting during every Islanders game, and that will include Saturday's contest at the Coliseum against the Bruins. So, 2-1, to one, the final score. And at the end of the day, you know, there are those people who want to blame Simeon Varlamov, and I'm not going to entertain that. Was Varlamov flawless? No, absolutely not. Uh, For the fourth time in four playoff appearances, he let up a goal early on. Uh, He's improving. I think this one came, what, on the third shot of the game or the second shot of the game as opposed to the first. So maybe that's a a hair better. But Varley's got to be ready to answer the bell as soon as the puck is dropped and can't really afford to put his team behind the eight ball early. And then, obviously, the game winner... uh, by Brad Marchand, bad angle goal, he didn't play the angle properly, it was a little bit of a surprise shot, and a perfect pinpoint shot at that, so yeah, he gave up a goal early, he gave up the game winner late, but in between, Simeon Varlamov 
played outstanding. And you look at the statistics in this game. Islanders outshot 41-29. to And that included a 21-shot onslaught in the third period. And I'll, I'll say this. For the majority of the game, the Islanders had minimal, if any, offense. Could not create quality scoring chances. And the only reason the New York Islanders were able to even force overtime was because of the outstanding play of Simeon Varlamov. Again, Varley wasn't perfect. The two goals he gave up, uh, you know, you certainly want the overtime one back, but it was a great shot from a bad angle. And, uh, you know, the early goal thing is a problem. But at the end of the day, if you look at the shot numbers and the shot chart, it was the Bruins who had a lot more quality chances in this game than the Islanders did. And, you know, I'll say it this way. If you're the New York Islanders, you can steal a game or two in a series when you're outplayed if you limit the number of quality scoring chances and get great goaltending. And and the Islanders stole a couple of games, you know, from the Penguins in the opening round. But it is very difficult to win a series when game in and game out, you are outplayed and you are relying on your goalie to be nearly perfect. And that's what the Islanders were counting on from Simeon Varlamov in this contest. So at, at the end of the day, don't go blaming Varlamov. I mean, he made so many quality saves in this game, uh, especially in that third period where, you know, he made a save and then saved the rebound and anticipated where shots were going to go. He is the only reason the Islanders had a chance to win this game. And I will, you know, stand by that. You, you look ahead to game four, I can't imagine Barry Trotz deciding to change goaltenders. Uh, but the one thing I need from Varlamov is to not let in that early goal. He has got to straighten out the uh, the start of the game and make sure that the Islanders don't fall behind, you know, in the first two, three minutes. Now, again, he it took almost six minutes in this game. And it took, I think it was the third shot in, in this game that ended up in the back of the net. But at the end of the day, uh, Varlamov is not the reason they lost. I doubt we see Ilya Sorokin starting game four. And, you know, the Islanders team defense, well, in, in the first period, they were pretty good. And then it sort of got worse as the game went on. Second period, they were okay early. Gave up more and more chances as the period went on. And then the third period, you know, more than a shot a minute given up by uh, the Islanders. And Varlamov basically standing on his head to make the saves to keep the Islanders in the game. So lots of reasons why this team fell short. But one of them really was not Simeon Varlamov. And we will discuss some of the things the Islanders did well and some of the things they still need to work on. Uh, but we will give you some hope and some encouragement at that. So more to come right here on the Locked on Islanders podcast, including a reason for optimism.
Islander fans, today's episode is brought to you by Wealthfront. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized for you in minutes. There are no manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on the preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started, so grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings today. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. And look, Built Bar comes in nine delicious flavors, plus they have the occasional limited time flavor, and boy, do those go fast. But when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorite flavors, and whether it's coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, or salted caramel, there is something for everyone. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine original flavors to try them all. Now, most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off of your first order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So let's talk a little bit about some reasons for optimism. Uh, One reason for optimism uh, from the Islanders is that the Islanders did slow down that perfection line of Boston's for most of this game. And, you know, yes, uh, Marshawn got the game-winning goal in overtime, so, you know, it was a painful way for that to end. But at the same time, when you go over the the way this game played out, the number of chances that the Bruins had from their top line, number of quality chances, were not as dramatic as they were uh, in the first two games. And, you know, look, Marchand had four shots, Bergeron had four shots, uh, Pasternak had three, but it's not just the number of shots, it's the quality of the shots, and even the game-winning goal, you know, the shot itself was very, very good, it was perfectly accurate, you know, right in off the crossbar, no margin for error there, but at the end of the day, the number of dramatic quality scoring chances that the perfection line had was not they weren't as dominant as they were in the first two games and if the islanders can duplicate that they will have a chance to get a win in game four the other reason for optimism in my mind and this may be the biggest reason for optimism is that finally matt barzal got his first goal of the playoffs and 
we know this has been a long time coming, and he has been struggling to put the puck in the net. And I'll go a step further. It isn't only good that he got off the schneid. We needed him to do that. And the Islanders are going to need more offense from Matt Barzal and Jordan Eberle, for that matter, uh, if they hope to win this series. But it's the kind of goal that Matt Barzal scored. And it wasn't a highlight reel, fake-out, three guys, end-to-end rush kind of a goal. No. This was a dirty, grind them out uh, work hard and stuff the puck in on the short side against Tuka Rask kind of a goal. And quite honestly, that kind of goal is the kind of thing that you're going to get more often than not in the playoffs. Those highlight reel goals that you can occasionally get in the regular season, they are few and far between in the playoffs. And against Boston, a team that very much mirrors the style of the New York Islanders, where they don't let you in front of the net, where they uh, limit the number of scoring chances that you're going to get, and they're physical and they come at you all the time. There's even fewer of those chances. You rem- remember the goal Barzal scored where he went between his legs and, and backhanded it you know, against Buffalo as part of that five-point night he had? You're not getting those chances in the playoffs against Boston. No, you're not. But you will get a few chances to work hard and stuff the puck in the short side against Tuka Rask when you beat him to that near post. When you, you will get the chance to get rebounds and deflections and, you know, tip-ins and, and plays that you have to work your rear end off to get, but you can still score. And the fact that Barzal got a goal in that fashion, I hope and I believe, will help the Islanders to, uh, you know, will help Barzal, among other things, to wake up a little bit and to really focus on getting more of those kind of goals because those are the kind of goals he's going to need to score. And you saw in the game, after Barzal scored the tying goal, how the Islanders and the crowd were both extremely energized. And there were about five and a half minutes left, a little less than five and a half minutes left in regulation when Barzi scored the goal. And the Islanders had several chances after that and just couldn't cash it in. Now, hats off to Tuka Rask. He played an outstanding game. But the Islanders need to create more offense. And it's and just like what I said about Barzi, it's not going to be the highlight real goals. What the Islanders need more than anything is to get more of those dirty goals, those uh, you know hard-working, in-front-of-the-net kind of goals. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of Islanders players in this one did not manage even one shot on goal. The following Islanders forwards did not take a shot on goal in this game. Travis Zajac, Cal Clutterbuck, Leo Komarov, Matt Martin, and Casey Sezikis. And look, none of those guys, with the possible exception of Zajac, and at this stage of his career, he's not known for his offense either. None of those guys are predominantly offensive players. 
And the identity line, to their credit, did do did have a number of good forechecking shifts where they got pressure. But you can't have, at the end of the day, five forwards out of your 12 that you've got with no shots on goal in a game. And uh, only one defenseman, Andy Green. So six out of the uh, 18 skaters didn't register a shot. And that's just not going to cut it. So, look, the Islanders finally did get four shots on goal from Barzal, three from Eberle, four from Bavillier. He missed two beautiful breakaway chances. And the other thing that hurt the Islanders that was a big difference in game two was the power play. 0 for 3 tonight, including a chance after the Barzal tying goal in the closing minutes. You know, that might have been a great opportunity. Sean Curley uh, takes Palmieri down, cross-checks him right in front of the referee with 2 minutes and 15 seconds left, and the Islanders just, you know, they had a few chances, but they couldn't cash it in. That power play, more often than not in Game 3, just couldn't finish, and the Islanders need to shoot the puck more and try to finish in order to, you know, get more pressure on Rask and convert more goals, because when you don't shoot the puck, you know, Wayne Gretzky, the the old cliche, you don't score on 100% of the shots that you don't take, well, the Islanders didn't take a lot of shots, and they need to just shoot the darn puck more often instead of trying to make that pretty play. It happened on the power play. It happened at even strength. And it's something that they've really, really got to get away from. All right, when we come back, we have our Islanders' birthday of the day and a look ahead to game four, which is now almost a must-win for the Islanders. We have all that and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Islander fans, today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action on Bet Online. We also have the Belmont Stakes, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and of course, all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next faceoff, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or on your mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams go on their playoff runs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. So they'll give you free money if you are a listener of this show. So bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day. And, uh, Basically, today is the 47th birthday for former Islanders left wing Jeff Toms. Toms, originally drafted by the Devils in the ninth round of the 1992 draft, the native of Swiss, Swift Current, Saskatchewan, uh, actually broke in with the Tampa Bay Lightning in 1995-96, then went on to Washington, uh, played with the Capitals organization up and down with the NHL and the AHL and joined the Islanders during the 2000-2001 season. Played 39 games for the Isles, two goals, six points, and then was picked up by the Rangers. So one of the few players to play for the 
Islanders and the Rangers in the same season. The only other one I could think of quickly off the top of my head uh, was Burt Marshall, who did it back uh, in 1972-73. But uh, for Tom's, we're going to look back at one of his better games as an Islander. November 18th, 2000, at the San Jose Arena, the old Shark Tank. Islanders and the Sharks, Wade Flaherty, the goalie for the Islanders, against future Islander Evgeny Nabokov. And it was the Islanders breaking on the board first. Brad Isbister, his ninth from Marius Tchaikovsky and Zdeno Chara, just a minute and a half into the game, one nothing Islanders. But Scott Thornton, who uh, got the Sharks even his seventh from Nicholas Sundstrom at 10.58, it was 1-1. One but Dave Scatcherd answered for the Islanders. His fourth from Claude Lapointe after 20 minutes, the Islanders had a 2-1 to one lead. The Sharks, however, started cashing in on the power play in the second period. With Tchaikovsky in the box for elbowing, Mike Ricci scored his fifth from Vincent Damfus and Mike Rathje. And then Sean Hines, his third from Owen Nolan and Vincent Damfus. That one with Jeff Toms in the box for slashing, and suddenly it was a 3-2 San Jose lead. But Toms comes back, gets his first goal as an Islander. Taylor Pyatt and Mike Stapleton with the assist at 17:48, and it was 3-3 after two periods. But in the third, goals by Owen Nolan and Jeff Friesen gave the Sharks the victory. Uh... At the end of the day, Wade Flaherty made 28 saves in a losing effort. Meanwhile, our Islanders' birthday of the day, uh, Jeff Toms was, uh, had one goal, was a plus one, and scored on his only shot of the day. So uh, for Jeff Toms, we want to wish him a very, very happy birthday uh, and many, many happy more. He turns... Uh, 47 today, big guy, 6'4", 207, and Tom's more of a, a checking forward than he was a scoring forward. So, some thoughts about uh, Game 4, which will be Saturday evening, 7.15, on NBC, not on NBCSN, but on NBC. And, you know, the biggest thing I can say to the Islanders is defensively what they did for the most part was pretty good. They limited the uh, perfection line. They got some great goaltending, but they've got to shoot the puck. And they have got to stop trying to make that perfect pass to set up the perfect shot. They are, at this point, better off taking shots from in close and scratching and clawing to get those rebounds, those deflections, and, and those tip-ins, because that's the way you're going to beat the Bruins. The problem with the way the Islanders were playing, and it, it, it really is a problem that this team has often, unfortunately, and that is when you try to make those perfect plays and you don't get a lot of scoring chances as a result the goalie gets more confidence. The, the opposing team's defense gets more confidence. And, you know, it took a dirty goal like the one that Matt Barzal scored in order to finally break the ice. It, it felt like they would never score on Tuka Rask, But when you work hard, 
and and get those dirty goals, that's how you break the momentum, that's how you lower the goalie's confidence, and that is how you end up winning hockey games. So for the Islanders, the prescription has got to be a lot more of that kind of, of style of play. And it shouldn't be too difficult because that's what they do, you know, in, in their own end of the ice and in the corners. But they've got to continue to find a way to make those kind of plays in their own zone, uh, in the offensive zone, and not try to to be too perfect and and create fancy looking passes for fancy looking goals. There is a time for that. But against a team like Boston, you got to take care of business. You cannot wait for that perfect play. You cannot try to make the drop pass, the behind the back pass. You got to be quick with the puck. You got to work hard, get the puck down low, shoot the puck on goal when you have a chance. You know, don't try to make that extra pass for the better shot when you have a good shot. Take the good shot and then go to the net and try to get those rebounds. Try to screen Tuka Rask. Try to, uh, you know, get under his skin a little bit. And it's not easy because Rask is a great goalie and the Bruins, they play the Islanders, you know, a very similar style. So, you know, the Islanders almost have to figure out how to beat themselves when it comes to strategy. And uh, it's going to be hard work. It's not going to be pretty plays that get the job done. So hopefully Saturday the barn will be rocking again and the Islanders will find a way to even up this series. Like I said, uh, not a must win, but pretty darn close to one. If the Islanders really want to win this series, it'd be very difficult to win three in a row when two of them are in Boston. Now, nine can do it, but it wouldn't be easy. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. That's going to do it for us on today's episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. Rock the barn on Saturday. Gotta hope it's not the last game in the Coliseum. I'm confident it won't be. But, uh, you know, got to gotta represent in the old barn while you still can. Uh, stay safe. Have a great weekend. And, of course, let's go Islanders.